Hey friends and gamers! This is just a quick note to let you know Query's time slot is changing from Sundays to every other Monday at 6. So tune in Mondays at 6 for more gay goodness. Now here is tonight's show. You are listening to Query! And uh, it's the last episode of this most recent season which is weird. That means that Query has been on Cooney Co-op Radio, CJOY, and 93.5 FM in Nelson uh, for one year. One year! It's Query's one-year birthday, so yay to that. Um, and Query is recorded and broadcast on the territory of the Sinaiaxed people. Um, We're very grateful to be having these conversations and getting together to talk and learn about various uh, 2S LGBTQ plus things, topics, issues, and uh, having a lot of fun together. I am Axel, one of your hosts. And tonight, I am joined by my new co-host of Query, who is Stephanie. Stephanie, hello. Hello, Axel. I'm so happy to be here today with you. And um, hi, everybody in Nelson land and beyond. And we also have a very special guest, our lovely friend, Johan, who is joining us for tonight's show. Thanks for being here, Johan. Yeah, hi, thanks. I'm happy to be here. On the internet, where we are currently recording in separate here's uh, across town. Um, so here we are. Um, guess what day it is? You know, is you it, know what day it is, my friends. You don't have to guess. coming out day? It is coming out day. Is it day. National Coming Out Day? Oh. Yes, National Coming Out Day. I mean, what even is that, though? Coming out. Coming out. Um, I did a little bit of research, so Stephanie actually informed me that it was National Coming Out Day. I usually only find out about these things after the fact, like... I'll go on social media like a day after and everyone's like, oh, happy National Coming Out Day. And I'll be like, oh, I didn't even know. I missed it. Or like Bisexuality Visibility Day. That one Mm -hmm. I definitely missed. And I was like, dang, I have to wait till next year to be visible. This sucks. Um, (laughs) Well, we get to just be invisible then and nobody knows that we're around. And yeah, it's It's true. It's it's like a superpower. Totally. Um, But anyway, so I was very excited to be informed in advance so that we could have this special themed show. And I did a little bit of research on National Coming Out Day and also just the idea, the like phrase coming out, um, which I didn't really know where that came from. Um, But to start with, um, I will share that because it's kind of cool. Coming out, like the phrase coming out or like Um, yeah, just like coming out separately from coming out of the closet actually comes out of like um, the like drag ball scene 
Um, and it was kind of like riffing off of debutante balls, which is like a weird patriarchal concept where like young women of the like aristocracy or like upper class uh, like come out when they're like 16 or 17. And it's basically means they're like of marriageable age. Um, so they have these weird parties where people dress up and, you know, and then it's like, now she's on the market. Um, this is, this is a bit weird, but, um, that's basically where the phrase coming out comes from because, um, gay men would like come out um and it was like their kind of debut into like gay society and then they would then be available for like you know the dating and stuff um (laughs) so that's like the original history and that like dates back to like as early as 1931 um in like as far as historical records go um that's so cool yeah, yeah i know to like come out and like have a little debut where you get to like go go to the ball and like everybody's like oh who's that hot young thing and uh, <laughs> yeah so that's where that comes from and then it wasn't until like the 60s that it started to be more related to like the closet and this like um i think there was the first like instances of um yeah that association of like gay men having like a skeleton in their closet or like having some part of them that's like hidden and secret in the closet and then that's when the phrase coming out became more associated with coming out of the closet when people like you know share their true sexual identity with the world um so two very different kind of but but similar, I guess, themes, but one of them has more of a, like, celebratory vibe, and one of them has, like, a, you know, emerging from a closet vibe. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, the history of uh, Coming Out Day is that there was, uh, Coming Out Day is, is always on October 11th, and it comes from a march that happened, um, in Washington, D.C. on, uh, October 11th in 1987 and there was like 500,000 people who participated in this march for lesbian and gay rights and uh, and then the next year they marked it they marked the anniversary by creating uh, National Coming Out Day and also like I think comes from a time when it was like a really political thing to come out and like politicians um, like I think Harvey Milk was Um, one of the people who like encouraged people to come out as like a political statement and like to create more acceptance and um, to to let people know that like they do know queer people in their lives in order to like kind of have more widespread acceptance it was like you got to come out and I've also actually talked to um, a queer elder about this and and they were sharing like you know you used to just like show up at a meeting or whatever and be like hi, my name is this and I'm a lesbian. And it was like very sort of like within culture for people to like disrupt the status quo in that way. Um, so anyway, just some things that I learned about coming out day in my little show prep. Um, yeah. That's but, awesome. Thanks for looking into that for us, Axel. Now we know more. I like the... Um, the celebratory side of it, like the the original sort of coming out in the drag ball scene, I wasn't aware of that history of the term, and 
um, I think for me, it's been a lot more on the like coming out of the closet and this like kind of scary thing in this big scary world. Um, but I, I like the idea of turning it into like a celebration and queering it in that way. Yay for the celebratory parts of being queer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just like unpacking it, like, I guess the idea of having to come out or like there being some need to come out acknowledges the dominant system of like compulsory heterosexuality. Um in a way that's like, oh, coming out, is that like a thing that you have to do? Mm-hmm. And like also what do people come out about? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think people come out about their sexual attractions to others. Um, but as you pointed out, Axel, like you don't have to to come out in this society as being straight. (laughs) That's not a thing. Um, It's just accepted as the default, which, you know, more research is showing that that's that's not really the case, but that's what our society has told us is, um, yeah, is the default. So yeah, sexuality um, and sexual attraction. What else? could we come out about? I mean, I was reading about like people coming out multiple times, like as their identities changed and specifically a story about one person who came out to their parents at one point as a lesbian and then um, years later as a bisexual trans man. Um, So there could be like many different layers of coming out as we like explore our genders and sexualities. Um, But I think also, like, it's interesting how the phrase to come out has kind of been adopted by different, um, different communities and people with different identities as well, because people also come out as like, having an invisible disability or Mm. um, like, not being white or like being a undocumented immigrant or like various things that um, like assumptions, I guess, that people make about other people. Um, yeah. And then some people just kind of like don't get to come out because people assume they're gay or assume other things about them. Um, that it's like, I've heard that as like living in the glass closet where like, because of your like identity markers or like maybe the way that you like style yourself or like whatever it's like you you don't get to choose to come out because people just assume your identity Hmm. it's complicated yeah I I appreciate you talking about like having to come out multiple times because I think that um for folks that often experience an element of erasure around their gender or around their sexual attraction and orientation. Um, You know, like I think sometimes those folks end up having to come out 
um, an exhaustingly um, like large amount of times. I'm thinking especially of um, like feminine lesbians, for example. I know I have some friends who find it hard because they're always assumed to be just a straight cis woman because they're very feminine and they check all these markers for what, you know, uh, a good woman should look like. I'm using air quotations. Um, and that explaining that they're lesbian or that they have a wife is something that they're constantly doing in their life at work, you know, with, um, with the public and stuff like that. And that there's that element of erasure for them or for folks who might be bisexual or pansexual and have um, relationships that people judge as being hetero presenting, like they look like they're in a heterosexual relationship and that those people are constantly having to remind people like, no, I'm, I'm still bisexual. Like I'm still, I still like people of other genders. I just happen to have a partner who looks like they are the opposite gender of me. It's interesting how like, I mean, not interesting. Like it's, it's deeply personal to like be seen <laughs> and it's so important to like, have a sense of belonging in that way. Um, I feel like coming out is for me, like definitely a way to like try to be seen. Um, and like, I've definitely identified with that um, at different points of my life. And I definitely did the like, I'm a baby queer. I'm going to cut off my hair and have an androgynous hairstyle now so that everyone knows that I'm a lesbo. Um, <laughs> and then being like, oh, is that what I have to do to be acknowledged? Like that actually makes me feel sad. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like, it's complicated. And even, even when you cut your hair off, people are still going to assume whatever they assume about you. And like, yeah. But it is interesting, like, I think it, it is in some ways, um, you know, a privilege to be able to um, pass as straight. And, like, I mean, I experienced that. I, I think it's definitely a real thing, having been in, like, very queer-appearing relationships and other less queer-appearing relationships that, like, people treat you differently when they perceive you as a straight couple um, or like as a straight person. And like, sometimes that, that is beneficial, frankly, um, which like sucks. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't like it. Um, but I think it's like important to like acknowledge that side of things too. And there's also like difficult parts of not being seen or like not feeling like as visible. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we were talking earlier about um, I guess straight presenting or non-queer relationships uh, I was thinking of a relationship that I was in that I had always seen as queer but never really looked at from an outsider's perspective until the two of us were uh, taking a road trip and we went and stopped at this restaurant that was 
full of mudded up trucks and uh you know I fully own those judgments but I felt a little bit uncomfortable with the two of us going there and um but as we sat down at this table I did take a moment to look at us from an outside perspective and I realized that we just looked like a straight couple and um that brought my anxiety down a large amount and it also made like gave me the opportunity to acknowledge the privilege that comes with having a straight presenting relationship because nobody was going to bug us in that bar um nobody was going to beat us up and that is something that folks um who look queer and are in present like in in relationships that are queer looking relationships that's something that we think about a lot um because it's still something that happens here in canada and even in beautiful little nelson yeah it's true it's like the choice to come out, um, you know, sometimes it's a safety thing um, for people or has to do with like their, um, you know, their life and like how it will impact them materially um, if people know various parts of their identities. Um And yeah, I'm thinking like of an article that I read that was um, originally published in 2016 uh, by a person named Jennifer Coates, who, um, yeah, the title of this article is, I am a trans woman, I am in the closet, I am not coming out. And um, they wrote about, um, yeah, various like experiences they have um, and basically arriving at this point of like, you know, especially, I mean, it's obviously different um, coming out as trans or coming out as as gay or lesbian or bi or like all of these things have different flavors and tones in our society. But for this person specifically talking about, you know, coming out as a trans woman that um, they just weren't interested in the amount of like material and emotional resources that they would need to expend in order to like be seen and accepted and the amount of like policing that then comes with like being an out trans woman was just not something they were prepared to like engage with uh, and that they've made that choice and that they feel like anyway I'm not going to tell you all about the article like read the article um, if that's uh of interest to you. It's quite long. It's like a, it's like a lengthy, um, but worthwhile read, but just talks about some of those reasons that people may not want to come out because if it's going to impact their, um, their like safety, like their job, their like family or relationships in like negative ways, and they just don't want to do that. then like, that's, that's them and they have agency and they have the ability to do that and make that decision. And yeah, it's important to honor that. And I think what I got out of that is to like check myself on people and the assumptions that I make about people who may not like be explicitly out. Um, And especially 
Um, yeah, thinking about like people who I may assume identify as men based on the way that they're presenting, or um, I may assume identify as women based on the way that they're presenting to kind of challenge that and to um, allow myself to have more complexity in the ways that I um, relate to people, I guess, and to not just assume that, you know, if someone has a beard that they identify in a certain way and that, um, that it's like just generally not chill to like generalize about groups of people, um, which seems like an obvious thing, but then like you catch yourself doing it automatically and then you're like, wait, oh, oh, oh. um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I found that really valuable to be like, oh, someone doesn't have to like be out of the closet to like be included. And I think, you know, in um, some of the like youth spaces that I've been involved with, like queer youth spaces, there's often like um, it's in the like promotional material and various things that like the space is open to allies as well as people who identify or like people who are questioning And I think that's really important to like leave that space and um, to have spaces where people can come and kind of, if they're just like dipping their toe in the like, in the gay swimming pool to be like, I'm an ally. Yes, I support queer people. And like, I think that's part of a lot of people's stories that they kind of enter spaces as a like ally or someone who is supportive and then as they build relationships and like comfort with that community they may be more comfortable and then gain whatever confidence or um you know just like support that they may need to be able to you know discover different parts of themselves and want to share that with other people mm-hmm. would you tell us again axel what the name of that article was yeah, it's uh I am a trans woman. I am in the closet. I am not coming out. And it's written um by Jennifer Coates and it was published on Medium. And it says it's a 29-minute cool. read. That's awesome. So, play oh, yeah, I like so. it when they do that so that I know how long it'll take. <laughs> um so I feel like we're saying all y'all listening out there in radio land that if you choose to not come out of the closet or you feel like right now is not the right time to come out of the closet, you are still valid. Um, and that you do what you know is best for yourself. And we're here to support you in that. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, the importance of safety is like, it's, yeah, it's really important to, to acknowledge that. I feel like I, when I first kind of came out to myself, um, I was exposed to a lot of the, um, I, I guess like I had this sense of like, well, you know, now I'm supposed to come out and like, that's sort of like the next step or whatever. That's like the narrative that I'm supposed to be following. Um, because, you know, those were like the stories that I was exposed to. It was like, you come out to like, whatever it is, your family and your close community. And then you experience like rejection from some people. And like, you go through a process and you like find yourself and you find your community or whatever. Um, and yeah, for me, it was important to like, 
be exposed to other stories of like celebrating the closet and celebrating like the fact that like we um I don't know if celebrating is the right word but like um just naming the safety of the closet and how important that is for some of us and it was so important for me to realize like okay I, I don't have to come out when I'm not ready um and I can yeah like I don't know acknowledge the importance of my safety I guess mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting too like that makes me think about how with uh social media and such kind of um frameworks for like displaying our lives uh kind of like getting into our brains that there's a certain like almost uh expectation that people are like transparent or you know that like if you go through a process where you like maybe come to terms with some part of your identity that like then you're like you owe that to people to like be honest or whatever. And I think that's also a coming out narrative that like if it takes people a while to come out to people or whatever, or like they don't do it immediately on other people's timeline, then people can be like, well, why didn't you tell me sooner? Um, Mm. Or like, uh, yeah, it's almost like there's an entitlement to that information. Um, And I think it is important. Like I also used to kind of do that like arrive in a group like hi I'm Axel these are my pronouns and I'm queer um and like I remember like specifically like spaces where I just did that as like an introductory like hello this is what you need to know about me um and in the years that have come to pass I realized that like I don't actually owe other people an explanation for myself or like yeah I don't need to like make myself into some tidy representation so that other Mm -hmm. people can like understand me uh and that you know labels that I may choose can certainly like be ways that I express myself and like ways that I um yeah I get to like define how I am in the world and also like I don't owe people anything um i don't have to like explain my gender identity um i don't have to explain why i want to use the pronouns i want to use i don't have to like explain to people like why i'm at a queer event um or like what is my personal relationship to whatever like that's just kind of my information um and i can share that with people when it like feels good yeah That brings up for me, I think this, um, this thing that sometimes folks struggle with when they meet somebody who is queer and they've never met a person like them before and that they think that that's the person that they should be asking their questions to. And I want to encourage people to um, use the internet or to use educators that exist in the community to ask those questions too because you're right Axel it's not each individual queer person's responsibility to um to validate their existence and to validate who they are it's totally reasonable 
and natural to have questions about something or someone or a concept that you are not familiar with, but we, it's not okay for us to ask queer individuals to do that emotional labor of answering, of answering those questions that we have. And so, um, but there, and there are some of us who are queer or in other types of marginalized communities who do want to educate folks around that, but those people are the minority, right? Most queer folks don't want to answer your questions and they just want to exist and go about their daily lives um, and, and be accepted. And so I think that sometimes it's okay to ask those questions, but, but be prepared to hear no. And those questions should not be personal ones. Like if somebody says I'm pansexual and you're like, what does that mean? Then, then that's an appropriate question. But asking a person like about what's underneath their clothes or um, trying to tell them that like, I don't know, that their presentation doesn't, doesn't match what you imagine their pronoun should be. Those are wildly inappropriate questions and um, you should be asking them to somebody whose job it literally is to educate people about gender and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally, and I feel like, I don't know, for me anyway, like there are some days when I feel like having that conversation and some moments and some contexts and then some when I don't. And so it's so important to like get consent from someone before you start asking them questions or, you know, just like, can I ask you a question? I'm curious about that. And then be ready for them to say like, no, I'm not, I don't have the space for that right now. Or yeah, or, or to, have, to have their own boundaries and limitations. And yeah, like mm -hmm. Steph said, like, don't ask questions about people that you wouldn't ask about like anybody else. Like you don't ask about people's genitals. That's not a thing you do in public unless you're like, yeah, in very, very specific circumstances, but yeah. Yeah, and, and this I is my opportunity to plug Milo. Sorry, I just <laughs> Milo is an amazing educator that we have in town who runs the Trans Connect program through Anchors, and Milo is a good person to ask questions about, um, especially about gender, and they have space and 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 fi like financially through their job the ability to educate people and businesses and schools about um, non gender nonconforming issues and people. Totally. And you can find their contact information at kootenaytransgender.com. Um, I also hey, just wanted to tack on to what you both were saying about, you know, when it's appropriate to like ask a question or like ask someone to like do some education for you is to like think about the like power dynamic in your relationship to just like have an awareness of like who you're asking and like how um yeah what kind of like power dynamic in your relationship may impact how they feel about whether they want to talk to you about that or like whether they feel comfortable like saying no um to that request 
We are going to talk about coming out stories. And uh, is it okay if I go first? Yeah, tell us a story. Sweet. Okay. So I realized that I liked girls while I was in high school. And I grew up in a very conservative Christian family. And I really struggled with having the most enormous crush on my best friend in high school. And I think the first time my parents might have had an inkling of an idea that I was something other than straight, a straight girl, um, was actually when my, one of my good friends and I walked in the pride parade (laughs) and, uh, we were on the front page of the paper (laughs) and, um, I feel like I probably lied about that. I know I remember being confronted about it. My parents were wondering why I was up there. Shout out to Malcolm. I love you, buddy. And uh, yeah, we were walking and got our picture taken. But it wasn't until quite a few years later that I moved past the shame and guilt that I struggled with for so many years, um, trying to figure out if my spirituality or if, if my faith could line up with who I was. And once I had moved through that and accepted that I was, I identified as bisexual at the time, I accepted that and I remember having my first queer partner and having not come out to my parents at that point and realizing that the most respectful thing to do, I felt in that situation, now that I was in this relationship with a wonderful human, that it would be to tell my parents And I told them sitting in their living room and my amazing ally of a sister who is still to this day, just my biggest support and the coolest person I know. um, She literally held my hand while I told my parents that I was bisexual and um, it was a very hard conversation. And I feel like there were layers of coming out after that, like having a long-term girlfriend after and um, my parents really struggling with these, I think these narratives that sometimes parents have around having a gay child, that it means that they're not going to be a grandparent or, um, you know, that if they, if, if they if they do have grandkids that their grandkids are somehow going to be um, lacking somehow because they have two same sex parents um, and these were things that they really struggled with and it it felt yeah it felt like it was a constant coming out um, with my parents and I'm happy to say that now we can have 
some conversations and um, they don't shy away from them as much. I think that they are better when it's a broad conversation about queerness um, or about, you know, or about gender and sexuality that isn't specific about me, but that that's a, um, that's an improvement to just be able to have those conversations and to be um, accepting of others that are different than them. Yeah, I think, and I had to also come out to my grandparents at one point. That was my sister was so sweet when she got married. She wanted me and my girlfriend to be in the wedding, but I hadn't come out to the rest of my family. And she was like, I love you. And I want my wedding to be about me. <laughs> and I was like, that's fair. And so, yeah, I came out to my grandparents. And, you know, they're, they're older. And so I think that especially my grandfather struggles with that idea that we were talking about earlier, that my sexuality doesn't change, even if my partner happens to be a cisgendered man, for example. Yeah. That's my coming out story. <laughs> One of them anyway. Yeah, there's definitely layers. Thanks for sharing that, Stephanie. Yeah, thank you. I feel like, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't feel like coming out was like a very, well, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I just ended up in a queer relationship. Um, it just happened. Um, and <laughs> it just, it just happened. Um, and I didn't like, so I didn't have a like coming out process with myself that was like independent of that, I guess. I wasn't like, oh, I feel this like weird abstract attraction or whatever. I was like, this was like definitely about a specific person. And I was like, what does this mean about me? Um, <laughs> and so I feel like when I came out, like I didn't even really know what I was coming out as other than like I had a girlfriend and I was like, I don't really know what's, what, what is about me. Um, but I love this person. So um, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of more like relational in that sense um and i feel like i've come out many 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 times since then um yeah i don't know it's interesting how like i mean even this radio show is like this weird space sometimes of coming out if i like tell people that i have a radio show and then they're automatically like oh what's it about and then I'm like, oh, right, yes, now I will come out in this abstract way. But, I mean, I feel like then people still, like, don't really get it or whatever. But there's definitely, like, more chill ways to come out than to, like, outwardly just be like, I'm gay. Um, and, yeah, so there's there's definitely layers or, like, the way that you talk. I don't know. I guess I'm also more interested in like coming out to like other queer people. I'm more like if if I want to like be on the level with somebody and I like just want to like definitely for sure confirm 
the assumption or whatever and like doing that in like chill ways that are not like being like oh by the way I'm gay um but trying to like you know just 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 be subtle coming out in like subtle ways I don't know if that counts as coming out but it's like there's some like encoded um you know coming out maybe um I usually just wear a lot of rainbows that usually does it for most (laughs) folks yeah totally Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's interesting to like have that as a thing of like oh do I do this like do I share this information or is it not important or like um yeah when is it important um but I feel like yeah I had a pretty non um non-drama coming out to both my parents uh separately and I also like came out on the like tail of my sister coming out like maybe six months later so I was kind of like late to the party and then I was just being like oh me too hi (laughs) um but yeah anyway it doesn't stop yeah yeah it really doesn't stop it's it's so interesting how like um the narrative and though like where both of you have gone and where I'm noticing myself like being inclined to go is like you talk about coming out to your parents and coming out to your family, which is hugely important. Um, and for, yeah, I guess for a long time, I was kind of like, I don't know, will I ever come out to my family? Like, they probably kind of know, like, I'm sort of clockable, like it's, I don't know. Um, yeah, and it was eventually, like it, it became like important to me to come out to them. Um, but yeah, I guess my, my like process of coming out ongoingly is this like struggle between like, okay, um, yeah, do I owe this to people? Um, and then also the sort of like responsibility, I guess, that I feel as someone who has like quite a bit of privilege and can walk around with a fair amount of safety in the world, like to, to a certain degree, depending on how I'm presenting. But um, yeah, I'm like pretty tall and like, generally I'm read as like a white dude and so um it feels like I don't know it feels like it's important to me to like um be visible as much as I can uh because I want to normalize that and because I want to like create change in the culture and in my relationships and in my family um yeah so I I just yeah like I feel like I didn't come out to my family until my sister-in-law was like, hey, um, you have many nieces and nephews and like some of them, you might be the only non-straight cisgender person in their lives. And like, maybe it would be good for you to be a bit more visible in the family in terms of that. And I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like, I really care about these kids and like some of them might be queer themselves and I want them to have like, visibility in their lives and so I kind of started that process um but yeah it it's still this ongoing thing because um yeah like there's I don't know it felt like it felt like when I came out to my parents um I first came out to my mom and I totally thought she was just gonna be like oh yeah I knew that but she seemed really surprised which surprised Mm -hmm. me um yeah, but then I realized, okay, now I need to 
do a bunch of work to like educate my family about like what queer means because yeah I'm like sure I'm into dudes and I'm into like people of all genders um but also like that's not the extent of my queerness my queerness is also political and it has to do with my gender identity and like I feel like that's an yeah it's an ongoing process of discovery about myself and I don't, yeah, like it feels like coming out is going to be like the rest of my life with my family and probably in all contexts too, like learning how to articulate um, things about myself and learning how to like shift my family's perspectives on like gender and sexuality being binaries or, or like help them see other possibilities anyway, not that I can control how they see the world, but um yeah I don't know that's my ramble for right now oh Johan I love I love that so much like you doing that for your cousins or for your nieces and nephews rather I think that's really sweet that made my heart super duper happy yeah I feel like those are the times when like it's really it feels really powerful to come out is like when youth are involved in a way because um yeah, I don't know. I think that maybe I would have figured out things about myself sooner if I'd like had any like queer adults and mentors in my life. But I think the first like openly queer person I remember meeting, I like was 18 or 19. Um, and before that, it was like a pretty abstract, actually, maybe I was 17. Um, but it was like very kind of abstract of like, oh, like, what is that? And um, yeah, I appreciate like being that for other people. And like, I also remember being a young person and like, just generally like seeing like openly, visibly queer people like in public, like holding hands on the street and being like, oh my goodness, yes. Because <laughs> um, it's like, it it helps you as a young person to be like, oh, there's a future for me. And like, I can, I can be who I am. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just good. Mm-hmm. It's so beautiful. I wanted to, since we were talking a little bit about families, I wanted to talk about this post that I really liked that, um is about national coming out day and it talks about what you can do as a parent and i think that this is really expands to all adults in children's lives not just parents but what you can do to be supportive when somebody comes out to you a small a young person and um yeah i think that's really beautiful so I don't like the wording a whole lot. It says do's and don'ts when your child comes out. And essentially it's saying, you know, um, tell that child that you believe them and that, and that you are grateful that you, that they've shared it with you, like their identity and that you love them. And Um, don't ask your child to stay in the closet, right? So I think that a positive way of reframing that is 
um, asking your child how you can support them in coming out to others if that's what they want to do. And it also looks like asking your child how they how they would like to be supported by you going forward as their big person. Um, and it says a few other things, which I, I will mention, but I think are, um, should be obvious to folks, but don't, don't use your religion to shame your child, right? Like this goes back under the, um, support your child, right? These are, this is where healthy boundaries as parents comes into play, right? It, um, having your child come out having your child come out to you means that you need to sort through your feelings so this might look like telling your child thank you for telling me this i love you and now i need some time to think about this can we talk about this tomorrow again and then that gives you space to go and sort through what I'm sure could be a lot of co internal conflict. And I think that that is okay to feel those things as long as you don't stop there and you don't get stuck in that and you keep working through those feelings and you work through those feelings with somebody who is not your child and not any of your other children. This looks like your spouse, your counselor, um, and finding support and resources for yourself as a parent. I have, I am a part of a number of groups on Facebook, for example, that are parent support groups for kids um, who are non-binary or trans, for example, or, um, you know, we have PFLAG, which exists um, across Canada and um, in the States. And these are places for adults to come together and talk through those hard feelings with other adults who have gone through similar things as parents. Because it's not our kids' responsibilities to parent our emotions. And I think that's really super duper important. Um, that's probably the biggest way that you can support your kid. I just wanted to talk about that because that's when uh, that's got to be like the most vulnerable moment in a young person's, um, a queer young person's mo like life is going to be talking to their parents about this really important part of themselves that they um, probably have just recently realized themselves. And, you know, you're the big person. You got to work through your stuff. We've all got stuff we got to work through, but don't don't let that stuff bubble over and hurt your kid. Thanks for sharing that. I think like there's also some general themes perhaps if like you uh, are on the receiving end of someone coming out and just how to make sure you're asking someone how they want to be supported and, you know, making sure you're getting clear on what they need from you in terms of like confidentiality and like uh -huh. how they may or may not want that information to be shared. Um, if they're like cool with just 
people knowing or if they don't want you to talk about that with other people um, Mm -hmm. and getting really clear so that you don't accidentally out somebody. Um, And we're running out of time here for this coming out show. I'm going to come out with that piece of information. Um, (laughs) It's been so lovely to chat with you two um, on this glorious day of coming out and being a debutante of queer fabulosity. Um, Yeah, coming out parties. That would be great. Oh my gosh, that sounds so fun. (laughs) Um, I want to add as like a little funny thing that if you are looking for a fun thing to do this coming out day evening, um, look up coming out TikToks. Um, You can see like compilation videos on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of creative youths out there, um, making content, uh, and also people like filming themselves coming out to like their parents or their friends, which I think is like such a fascinating case study into like today's world. But, um, you can, you can watch that if you want. Some, some of them are really cute. Some of them involve lip syncing and you know shocked parents being filmed um and ultimately (laughs) coming through at least the ones that I watched but um yeah that's a that's a little fun coming out day activity perhaps Mm. uh remember that query is going to be uh changing times so you're gonna have to tune in on Mondays at 6 p.m from now on this is the last Sunday episode and uh it's been a slice having this Sunday 9 p.m. time slot. And uh, we are looking forward to switching it up. And uh, also update, uh, query is only going to be every other week from now on. So we're going to be alternating with another spoken word show called Authenticity Inc., which I hope that if you tune in and you're hoping for query, you will maybe have a listen to and maybe enjoy some other KCR content. And that's it for today. The next show is Hour of Slack. So enjoy. Keep listening. Love you very much. And good night. Good night. Good night.